from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. George Freund is no stranger to alternative news. He's a good friend of the program, broadcaster, podcaster, blogger, and he's standing by to discuss the recent arrest of Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks. In the second hour, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell returns to the program, Canada's Edgar Casey, and the last of the Sleeping Prophets, and we're going to discuss an old case he worked as a remote viewer, the Aero Air Flight 1285 disaster. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange was arrested a week ago last Thursday to face a U.S. charge that he conspired to hack military computers. After Ecuador's government ended his seven years of self-imposed exile and expelled him from its London embassy. Here to discuss is George Freund. He can be heard as an occasional fill-in host on the Power Hour radio program. He's also the host of an award-winning podcast, Conspiracy Cafe. He's been covering alternative news, cover-ups and corruption, and conspiracies for decades. George Freund, welcome to The Conspiracy Show once again, and Happy Easter. How are you, my friend? And Happy Easter to you, Richard. Not too bad at all. You know, we, we are kind of what's left of the uh, the three musketeers that used to uh, dominate Toronto's uh, alternative news media, yourself, and our, of course our good friend Nelson Fall and the late, great Gary Bell. And uh, I've come in, I guess, as a, as a ghost to fill in for Gary on Power Hour Nation in the United States. And uh, that's probably... We're unsung heroes to the way the world works, the way the future will unfold. As we may have put the brakes on many, 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 many plots and conspiracies that the deep state or New World Order have tried to pull off, but they couldn't get past us. And Toronto's been a nexus of that for a long, 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 long time. And, uh, you know, as basically the, the ringleader of the mob here, you're, you're the greatest, and uh, we thank you for the opportunity. Well, I provide the platform. You're the, you're the fiercely independent researcher. I just run my mouth, but you're a boots-on-the-ground investigator. Thank you for that. I wanted to talk about Julian Assange's arrest. Because, you know, other than a few articles, strangely, things have gone kind of quiet in the mainstream media. I shouldn't say strangely, I should say not surprisingly. But let's just talk about Assange's arrest, dragged from the Ecuadorian embassy where he had been given asylum for the last seven years. He looked defiant, but he looked kind of frail, and I thought almost a little bit like a Howard Hughes character with his you know, a long beard, and he looked a little dazed and confused. What have you heard about his mental state, first of all? Well, you have to look at him as he wasn't getting asylum in a way. I almost look at it as he was under house arrest. It started out as an asylum, and then it turned into an asylum. Mm. Because uh, in, I believe it's March of last year, they uh, cut off his communications because they didn't like that he was looking into things that were critical to the Ecuadorian government or some of the deals they may have been making. And uh, he wasn't allowed visitors for or some period of time. And I imagine some of the disinformation or negative information that's coming out from Ecuador's president at this time about him spreading feces on the wall. Sounds like someone who was in solitary confinement and rebelling against a jailer, if that is in fact true. 
And, uh, you know, so why would you be facing a jailer if you're in an asylum situation in an embassy? So I think with the change in government in, uh, in Ecuador, with the president being now Lenin, and named after not John, but the other guy, <laughs> uh, Moreno, that, uh, you know, I think he has some strong tendencies to lean to um, an oppressive state, if that can be said. And Julian is under his control because basically he's in his house and he just isn't too happy with the loss of freedom to report on what he wants to report and you know people can make allegations about that uh, you know he's a tool of intelligence agencies or this or that but until we really start to go over both sides it's difficult to come to a conclusion because uh uh, people can spread news, and it could be fake news on mainstream or even in alternative media, and it gains traction and becomes the official truth when, in fact, it probably isn't. So uh, I get the feeling he was really under the gun with Marino, and I hear that you know, he was looking into his background, and he was looking into payments going into accounts controlled by his brother. In Ecuador, they're called the INA papers, as opposed to the Panama papers. And uh, he was wondering, you know, how this Chinese company, Sino Hydro, uh, was putting money into his brother's account. And what's going on with that? So as a reporter, as a leaker, you know, if you're living inside the matrix of evil or something, that would probably make you feel very uncomfortable because... You know, do you rat the guy out, or do you just stay true to him and give up all your personal values? Right. I mean, talk about integrity, that he would be willing to literally bite the hand that feeds him, that is providing him some sort of sanctuary, that he would be willing to jeopardize his own security, safety, and freedom in order to do his job as a journalist. And, you know, no one is above the law, not even my keeper. To me, that speaks to a great deal of integrity. So what's his status now? Where is he being held as he awaits extradition to the United States? Well, he's being held in, uh, you know, Her Majesty's goal there, and uh, he's had a trial for uh, his skipping bail. He was convicted. His lawyer said it was unfair. He could be facing a year in jail for that. But, you know, even that is ludicrous to the extreme, too, because there really isn't a charge against him for what he was held for bail for in the first place. That was the uh, the sexual assault case in Sweden, right? Yes. The, they stopped being interested in that some time ago, and they had no interest in uh, carrying on with any type of charges for that as of, like, 2017. So there isn't anything really to be on bail for. So it just seems to be... Uh, uh, a witch hunt, as the word has been developed in American politics at this point in time, to get him for something or anything that you could hold on to. And many parliamentarians and government people in the UK have been pressing Sweden to reinvigorate these charges and extradite him on the sexual assault charges, or as they call it, rape, which seem to be the most bizarre sort of rape case that could ever be devised anywhere is, you know, I think, uh, as I understand it, is you just, he wasn't wearing protection, and, uh, you know, I guess you have to have a signed contract from your partner that, uh, you know, it, that you're not, or you cheated them out of it, or something. It just seems to be something really Orwellian, almost, that uh, he's up on charges for this. And uh, so, but that Sweden, Sweden is very different from anything you could ever have imagined it being before, for some strange reason. It is the front line, and many things are the front line. What's happening now, I call it 
like World Cyber War One. Is in the post nine eleven world, information became the ultimate weapon. Who controls it and who can overwhelm it? And we've been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth about what's true, what's not true. And the biggest part of it is for you know people to get in touch with Marshall McLuhan and his studies on the media, the technology, and what's going on. Because he said very, very clearly that World War III will be an information war with no separation between military and civilian forces. And we see this very, very clearly now in the fact that a non-military person like Assange is basically held like hostage in an embassy and then held hostage by the British government only to make him a hostage in Sweden or send him for some sort of show trial in the United States. He's not an American citizen. He, you know, can't be treasonous or anything like that. And I really can't see if we're in a free society where we the people are the government that you could even, in the slightest context, be held for something that's revealing the truth. As a Christian, I look at what Jesus said, the truth sets us free, as being anything that's the truth will set us free, and anything that keeps us enslaved has to be a lie. And the intelligence agencies, these these states, with the laws that are coming out, the anti-terrorism laws and such, Britain said 10 years ago with the Ministry of Defense in London, they produced a secret document. So I guess somebody leaked it. And the principal threats to the public are threefold. Terrorists, Russian spies, and investigative journalists, (laughs) with a stress on the investigative journalist. Now, how can that be setting us free if the person who's trying to tell a good story about uh, malfeasance or incompetence uh, by a government that is supposed to be working for the people be a threat? That's the opposite. It's the one who's calling you the threat that is really the threat. Right. And it reminds me of David Cameron at the United Nations when he said uh, conspiracy theorists were the greatest threat at that time. and uh, Well, except know, sometimes imagine. conspiracy theories are true. Yes. We should point out in the indictment, U.S. authorities are, are saying that Assange conspired with former Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning to steal and publish huge troves of classified documents. Well, if that's the case, Chelsea Manning was pardoned by President Obama. Now, whether you think that was the right thing to do or not, if she was pardoned for those crimes then how can they come back and indict Assange for virtually the same thing, or aiding and abetting Chelsea Manning in stealing and publishing these classified documents? Well, that's what they want to charge Assange with. It's a secret jury that met to process these charges, so no one really knew about it, and uh, Manning was supposed to appear before the secret grand jury and give evidence. And that's one thing where Manning is, you know, very, very, very honest, as far as I'm concerned, is she refused to participate in this show trial and would not give any evidence. So the judge is holding her uh, until she talks or until the jury is finished in their application for these charges. So basically, she's being held hostage, even though you were pardoned for the original offenses, you have this new thing on the block that uh, you must rat out your your so-called uh, colleague in crime here. And uh, basically, they're supposed to have worked together on a password to try to get into the secret intelligence internet system. 
and uh, Assange was supposed to have been crucial in helping Manning uh, cover his tracks and break this password. Well, I think Manning already knew the password. He was working for the intelligence agency, and I think it was Manning uh, who gave the information to Assange at that time, the critical time, 2007, with that just horrendous shooting in Iraq. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget watching the video and uh, the this news is a media drone. played it. This was a, like, was it a drone strike, I believe? And there was... Helicopter gunship. A, gu- a helicopter gunship. In the video, you see uh, maybe, what, seven, eight, nine uh, uh, people gathered on a corner talking. I believe one of them, was one of them an AP reporter? It was Two later reporters. And, uh, you know, so that just reeks of the military getting rid of truth tellers, us terrible number three on the on the witch hunt list people. And uh, so the video itself is bad. But when you hear the audio, it is mind-blowing because the, the guys in the helicopter are having fun. They're enjoying this. It's, it's sadistic. It's just absolutely terrible. And then a van pulls up, and the nearest people to come along are going to give aid and comfort to the wounded. And the helicopter opens fire on the van, and the van had a family in it. So it was just like, you know, you're the first person at the scene of an accident or something, and you try to do something to to help the situation and take the wounded to hospital if there are any. And uh, when they open fire on the van, well, then they're killing people who are, again, completely unrelated and innocent to this affair. And that's like the horror of war is this indiscriminate shooting of non-combatants. So they call this like a second My Lai massacre. And Manning is required to report this to his superiors. He did, and they covered it up. So where do you go? The Fifth Estate, the press, the media. And probably a lot of them wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole, but there was Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. And uh, that story ended up getting out compliments of Julian Assange. And if that's just one thing that you can say that he did right compared to many other things people may say he did wrong, I look at that as that's worth the uh, the price of engagement here. That's, so that you a think horrible it's, war. You think it's really about that one video rather than, because over something like four months, Chelsea Manning downloaded hundreds of thousands of secret of reports, not only on Iraq, but Afghanistan, State Department cables, information about detainees at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Correct. And she turned those records over to WikiLeaks, and it's being called, you know, one of the most extensive leaks of classified secrets in U.S. history. So is it about the documents, or is it mainly payback for that video? Oh, no, just for releasing the documents in general is you broke your oath to the, you know, the secret cabal that runs the world. And uh, they use the military and the intelligence agencies at the top of that and the police to sweep up the broken glass at the bottom. And, you know, you break that, like the Russians have a way for that. When you're going through training in the old KGB, what they would show you is they take a, someone who betrayed the oath and they throw them into a blast furnace alive. And they filmed it, and you'd watch that in training just to remind you that's the price you pay if you go against us. Well, the Americans are a little kinder, and so are most of the other intelligence agencies. So for you, if you're really bad, you may die in an accident, but for a lot of it, you're looking at hard time in prison. They're never going to let you go. And there's a lot of great patriots who are filling the airwaves uh, you know, here and there uh, who've come clean on that. One is a Power Hour regular, Scott Bennett, and I believe you interviewed him or had him yes. fill in on your show one yes. time when you were away. And, uh, you know, I listened to that show. I was just 
polaxed to listen to him because part of the reason why they threw him in prison is he knew the truth about you know the money flow in the Pentagon and such like that. And I didn't have a clue that he even was alive. But I found out about things like that, and I was bringing that up on the Power Hour while he was rotting in jail. <laughs> so even though they had him on ice, somehow some of this information got under my nose, and uh, you know I just ran to the goal line with the ball and uh, as hard as I could. And I remember they stopped the show mid-show, and Dave at the time was doing it with his wife Joyce, and he says, "You got to show me this stuff before we go further." You know, and I said, "Yeah, we'll do this over the commercials." And, uh, you know, this is the way the world works. It's well, twisted, and uh, explain, though, we untwist it. Yes, indeed you do. But, George, explain this to me. How? Okay, so Chelsea Manning, she hacked into the State Department servers or whatever. She grabbed these hundreds of thousands of documents. He published them in WikiLeaks. Now, how is what Julian Assange did any different than what, say, for example, the New York Times or later the Washington Post did with the Pentagon Papers uh, and Daniel Ellsberg? How is it different? It's not different at all. What they're doing now is they're trying to criminalize it. So there's articles from the lawyer who uh, was working on the Pentagon Papers that are out now, too, and he's just saying this is a test case for journalism now, that they can go after your sources uh, especially if you're dealing with classified or released materials that you're not supposed to have, and just basically imprison you for doing your job of reporting. So there is no difference at all. It's like this is like a trap where they're going to make this some sort of test case to bring this along. And this is being applied openly right now in Australia, where two reporters who found out that the Australian government was bugging cabinet meetings in East Timor are in a secret trial with a secret court and are going to get a secret prison to go to and no one will ever know whatever happened to them. And, uh, you know, this is happening in what's supposed to be, you know, a free and democratic country. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's almost like Australia is, uh, you know, a carbon copy of the Third Reich or something like this, that they could even, even contemplate laws like that. Because, Primarily, it's the artists, the writers, and the journalists who are at the forefront of these state laws, these terrorism laws, or enabling laws, as Hitler called them. And uh, it has nothing to do with the odd patsy who lights a match or throws a bomb or shoots a bullet. And uh, it's the words, the thought crimes. If he's extradited to the United States, which court has jurisdiction? Will he be tried in an open criminal proceeding? I doubt that. It's going to be in Alexandria, Virginia, but I wouldn't be the slightest bit surprised they tried to come up with either a military tribunal-type system or that it's a secret court. And that uh, with a lot of the laws that we've been foolish enough to allow governments to pass, uh, they exist in Britain, they exist in New Zealand, they exist in Australia, and to a great extent even in Canada, that uh, you, know, you, you cannot tell anyone, you can't even tell your wife you know, why you disappeared for the last three months while I was waiting bail on a secret trial. And, uh, you know, even your lawyer isn't even allowed to have uh, the full range of evidence to defend you. It is just absolutely horrendous. It's like going back to the Inquisition or something like that in the Middle Ages. He is charged with conspiracy to commit computer intrusion. Yes. What is the possible penalty there? They're looking at five years, but this could just be a stepping stone to get them to the United States to try to hit them with the Espionage Act, uh, to try to hit them with something harder. But uh, it does set a precedent now 
for journalists to be very leery about what they want to do, where they want to go, what type of sources they want to have, and uh, that's just a total punch in the face to what we are led to believe we exist in. And I believe it was Frank Zappa who said something about, you'll know when the game is over, when the curtain's pulled back, and you move your arm and you hit the wall. And we're at that point now. The curtain's pulled back, and when we move backwards, we're hitting the wall and realizing that we've been in an illusory uh, type of freedom. We, we've really been uh, enslaved by this deep state, whatever it is, and whatever power they have. All right, George, i got to take a quick time out. We'll come back, continue to talk about Julian Assange. George Freund, independent investigator, award-winning podcaster. It is uh, called Conspiracy Cafe. We'll tell you more about that later. When we come back, I'm Richard Serrett. This is The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up? must come down and it lands on the conspiracy show with richard Serrett, the host of conspiracy cafe a uh, a unique well he's a treasure really uh, a fiercely independent researcher george freund is with us how do people get conspiracy cafe or read your blogs well, that's my website, conspiracy-cafe.com, and primarily now I'm doing Power Hour Nation as my uh, media outlet, and uh, because I like to prepare for the show in great detail and uh, try to devote myself 110% to it, because uh, that's the point of the sword for uh, you know fighting back against this deep state and doing what Marshall McLuhan said, being the civilian force in what is a, a global war against us, the people. And uh, he is so brilliant. It, it's just imperative if you know want to know anything about anything. It's also a spiritual war, too. He, In his private letters, he made it very clear that uh, Satan is the prince of the airwaves. Well, who's running the fake news, then, if everything's a lie? Well, Satan. And Christ returns in the clouds, it said. But at the uh, Nicene Conference, they took out a word. It was something as the Son of Man, not the Son of Man. They, Rome removed a word. So the truth will come back in that battle, and it will be monolithic. And whoever wins this war will either have a one-world government of the Antichrist, or we won't. So I'm committed for the good guys to win uh, 110%. And uh, with whatever, you know, with my dying breath, if I could say five words to, uh, you know, to win the game, then uh, the game is won, and I'll say them, because they're just that important. Everything rests on what we do here and now. And that includes a lot of other people. The you know Ecuadorian country was hacked into oblivion. I think 40,000 websites were taken down or something or put under attack. There was rioting in the streets in Quito from people who were upset at what happened, probably because they know that uh, Comrade Lenin here is a crook. And, you know, that's kind of important. I, I think a lot of people pre would prefer that we just don't have such open and blatant larcenists in uh, in power, just looting everything blind. And uh, 
the hacker army, whatever they are, wherever they are, the fact that uh, they're holding them to account, and maybe there'll be other people that will be releasing things, and a thousand organizations or people will take Julian Assange's place and get information out from whatever source they can find it. And a lot of these young kids are very, very bright and could probably very well cover their tracks and uh, just make it very difficult for these controllers to manipulate us any longer. When the Ecuadorian government decided they were no longer going to shelter Assange at the embassy, was this a case, as you mentioned earlier, that Assange was really biting the hand that was feeding him? He was going to be reporting some very damaging information about the president of Ecuador and his brother and their business dealings with China? Or did it have anything to do with Whoever in the deep state is really behind getting Julian Assange back to the United States to try him, were they exerting pressure on Ecuador? Were they bribing them? Well, I wouldn't call it pressure. Let's just say they were doing what the Americans do very, very well, is they come in with a big suitcase loaded with money, and that usually uh, moves mountains. And uh, they, they've done it uh, in various international deals of late, and this one was no different. So they were going to uh, exchange... Assange for debt relief, and that amounted to $1.1 billion, and I'm sure, like with almost anything that involves large sums of money like that, is there could be a little shrinkage here or there to help a struggling president have a good retirement fund, and, uh, you know, that's just a total slap in the face. Another incident that came out is uh, Comrade Lenin said, Assange leaked photos, personal photos of him and his family or something. So how he got them, it's difficult to ascertain because he's supposed to be in, you know, some sort of uh, media blackout overall. So maybe it was some of his cohorts. One that was uh, published that I did see was uh, Moreno in a hotel room with a giant banquet in front of him lying on a bed. And uh, that didn't go over too well with his people because there's a lot of austerity in his country. And that only goes to reason if uh, a lion's share of, uh, of the tax dollars or the government budget is fleeing to Paradise Islands, then they have to suffer. And why should they have to suffer? Basically, that money is for the people, not for the administrators of the people. Uh, they don't have license to steal. And that's something that affects all governments in the world, including our own, and uh, it's something that has to stop. You mentioned the Power Hour. That's on the Genesis Network, I believe, right? How do people tune into the Power Hour? And give us the details. Well, if you go to Power Hour's uh, website and how to listen, you know, powerhournation.com, there's like 50 ways to listen. (laughs) Every podcast hoster, you can listen on the phone by calling a 1877 number. Uh, I put my shows and a few of the other ones that I think are above average uh, on my website. And, uh, you, you know, they're archived on their website as well. And uh, it's on WWCR 7.490 uh, is a rebroadcast in the morning and uh, on shortwave, which is a very good way for a lot of developing nations that don't even have Internet. Like if you're floating on a raft in the South Pacific, you can listen to Power Hour Nation <laughs> on your Grundig radio. It may come to that. <laughs> it may come to that. Now, the DNC hacks... They claim that their emails were hacked by the Russians, although they never turned the the server over to the FBI. It was a a third party who said, yes, it's true. Uh, As far as I know, those servers were never examined by the FBI. However, 
those hacked DNCs, which were very damaging to the Clinton campaign back in 2016, and also, you know, John Podesta and so forth, those were published by WikiLeaks. Now, Julian Assange has maintained that they were not given to him by the Russians or a third party acting on behalf of the Russians. He basically said in everything but name that it was, as far as I was concerned, I watched the interview, he didn't say the name Seth Rich, but to me he was indicating, yes, it was Seth Rich that gave him those hacked emails. What do you think? That's the only reasonable conclusion you can come to. And by and large, when you're given a whole porridge of facts, you use the laws of logic to go through them and look for an inconsistency that makes one less valuable than another, and then you're left with what's left is the truth. And uh, so when you look at the fact that the, the Russians are hacking, well, I wouldn't really say they're hacking. All nation-states of any repute with a large military are reading everything. And uh, so, okay, Russia doesn't belong to the five eyes. You know, we're reading everything that uh, they had. So, yes, they'd have it, but generally there's a gentleman's agreement where you don't let out somebody else's dirty laundry. So, basically, because if you do, then they'll let out your dirty laundry, of course. And uh, Mr. Putin doesn't need people to know where he does his offshore banking. So I would say the only logical conclusion is Seth Rich found this, and there's a very good reason for it. Bernie Saunders was cleaning up, and he could probably take the nomination. That wasn't allowed to happen by the deep state. And they put the monkey wrench into the primaries to allow him to be defeated, and probably in a crooked manner. And Seth Rich found out about it. He didn't like it. And he did something about it. And, uh, you know, God bless him for it. You know, it was, that's the thing. There's, you're a martyr frequently when you, when you come to reveal the truth. And uh, it means, you know, generally a prison sentence in some cases, loss of employment, or the executioner's sword. And uh, he, in good faith, did what he thought best, and he got caught, and they took care of business, and he's gone. And uh, so I look at him as a hero, and the people that uh, rigged the primary so that uh, Hillary would uh, come out on top and take Saunders out as uh, despicable, and they probably would use the same techniques in the election as well, because there probably hasn't been a free and independent election in the United States in my lifetime, and I'm going to be 62. Uh, There's all kinds of monkey business going on, and it's always been that way, even when they had something called the Voter News Service and they had to do things the hard way for the TV news. Great book called Vote Scam about that going back into those old ages. But now it's who controls the voting machines. George Soros bought one of these companies. It was in Spain. He controlled the voting machines. And in the swing states... I used to say it when Bush was president, doesn't matter what button you push, you voted for Bush. <laughs> and a lot of people are coming out of the polls going, you know, I keep pushing this button and I don't get my candidate. Well, that probably means you made five or six votes for the one you didn't want. And a uh, classic Mission Impossible episode from the old days in the 60s when it was, you know, the piece de resistance was the same thing. They, they broke into this place where there was going to be an election in a despot country, rig the machine so it goes the other way, and uh, get out and, uh, you know, arrivederci. The good guy wins if he was really a good guy. i got to go arrivederci. That's what Hillary's mad about. Uh, well, we'll get into that. I've got to go arrivederci myself just for a moment. We'll come back. George Freund from the Power Hour and also Conspiracy Cafe. We'll be back in a moment to talk some more on Julian Assange, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us.
Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. George Freund stays with us as we continue to delve into uh, Julian Assange. And we were talking about the probable murder of, of uh, well, he was definitely murdered, but it wasn't a botched robbery. Uh, Seth Rich, uh, this is kind of a low-level DNC uh, uh, worker, volunteer, who uh, some say, and I think there's a great deal of uh, logic to this argument, hacked into the DNC himself and uh, gathered incriminating evidence that would be damaging to Hillary Clinton because he was a Bernie Sanders supporter, didn't like what was happening in the uh, in the in the uh, the primaries, and uh, wanted to out them. And so this um, these hacked emails were uh, were delivered to Julian Assange, uh, who then published them, and they were very damaging not only to Hillary Clinton but to uh, John Podesta and others in the DNC. But again, how is that any different than? The Washington Post, uh, or or any other American paper that have you know that has published material that you could argue was uh, purloined. Let's say, for example, uh, uh, parts of of um, Donald Trump's tax returns, which were published in the uh, the New York Times and I believe the Washington Post, and they were, uh, you know, they were uh, illegally leaked. They were illegally obtained. I mean, how is that any different? Well, there could be an angle to that that takes us into three-dimensional chess. As Father used to say, an ill eagle is a sick bird, but uh, there used to be something (laughs) called Operation Mockingbird, and I think that bird is still alive and well. And if some of these uh, press mandarins are actually working for the company, then they're doing government business under the guise of being a reporter. So the fact that they leak something or reveal something that would be illegal for anyone else isn't because they're covertly agents of the deep state or the state and they can get away with it. So when they do things like that and and get away scot-free without the slightest recrimination, I see that as uh, a little bit of logic coming into play to say, well, how could that possibly happen? And that's my uh, suggestion box is that they're actually company people. And uh, WikiLeaks or any other reporter, especially if you're in the alternative media, if you say something like that, then uh, they'll come all over you, but you did exactly the same thing. One can't be right and one can't be wrong unless my codicil is correct. So the same people in the deep state that successfully took down Bernie Sanders, that tried to take down Donald Trump, are they the same ones then behind this attempt to extradite Julian Assange? I would say yes. And he is probably, if he was an agent for the deep state at some point or in some capacity, as some people allege, he may have worn out his welcome now where he's not useful anymore. That's the trouble with working with people like that. They don't have a retirement plan. Sometimes they just make you disappear, or they can use you for some protracted purpose that you never speculated on, and one of that might be to bring you back, charge you, and create now a new impetus to go after reporters who are going to reveal the truth against evil operatives that are running countries. And it's not like there isn't a whole lot of them. So that's that's the dangerous part. I look at, uh, you know, if he is legit and he's been trying that, he's a hero. Uh, Snowden, 
uh, you know, for his, if there was any mistake made, I think it was the intelligence agencies giving everybody and anybody the keys to all the information. And, uh, you know, he just decided to use it to good effect and had a better escape route and went to a better country. Well, when, when, when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, she was overheard saying, you know, can't we, you know, get a drone in London and, and take out Assange when he comes out onto the, uh, you know, onto the balcony? Now, she said, oh, I was just joking. Ha, ha, ha. What, what you, I mean, pretty damning comments when you look back at it. Yes. And I wouldn't be the slightest bit surprised that, uh, you know, she's done this many, many times before. And probably the most uh, poignant case would be the Benghazi operation, where the ambassador was killed with people around him. And the only saving grace was uh, one of these private security units were former Navy SEALs who could fight like mad dogs. (laughs) And they just decided, hell with it, man. We stand up for what's right. And they got their uh, themselves active in defending the embassy to the best of their abilities, and uh, that's the wild card that can come along from time to time. Is that there are groups of good people who just say, "The hell with the rules! I'm doing what's right." And whether that's in revealing information or as in uh, uh, these gentlemen to uh, to fight to uh, to save as much as possible from being taken out by this attack on the embassy for someone, another man who knew too much. That, that's just almost uh, the basic raison d'etre in these intelligence agencies and the way they take people out is, you know, if you're the man who knows too much or the woman who knows too much, you're in a serious bit of trouble. All right, we'll take another quick time out, come back. One last segment remains with George Freund as we talk Julian Assange right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back with George Freund. And uh, tell us again how we can read your blog and uh, tune you in on the Power Hour. Well, my website is conspiracy-dot-com, and uh, you know you can find me there. I also have a blogger news page attached to that, so you can uh, find the link for that. I call it Fabergé <laughs> Google Doodle, so I can post all kinds of other news, and uh, you know not overwhelm too much in uh, in my page. And uh, of course, powerhournation.com is uh, you know moving and shaking now, top fifty radio station in the United States, and the beauty of it is it's I call it one of the global operations that you don't have to have a smell to, where most anything else that's global is under the control of the elites and used to denigrate uh, societies as opposed to build them up. But, uh, you know, we're from sea to sea and shores beyond the shores. Uh, This goes right around the world, uh, compliments of the, of course, cyberspace, but the good old-fashioned shortwave radio. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing the reach that, uh, you know, you hear the odd uh, case where, you know, somebody is on the beach in Africa or something fishing and they're picking this up on their on their shortwave radio. It, it goes everywhere. And that's the beauty of it because that just puts put seeds when across you s- the whole planet. When you see and, what, ha- what uh, is happening to people like chance. Assange and others, do you ever wake up and say, boy, I don't know how, mu- how much longer I'm going to be allowed to do this, to talk about what I talk about? 
You ever get that feeling, like in your gut, like this is all going to come tumbling down soon? Well, it's a whole lot easier than grandfathers, uh, you know, having to walk across Europe with a rifle to uh, deal with the evil uh, back in World War II. So I count myself lucky there. Uh, you know, I'll be perfectly frank with you. You know, in years past, every Sunday when I was on your show was a work day for me. And uh, so that way Monday would be my day off and it's cool to stay up late. Someone came and threatened to kill me. It was, it was almost like you could set your watch. But they, I'm an ex-cop, and uh, they I was came in the to your house business and in the armored car industry. So, oh. uh, no, to my place of work, that would be a work day for me, and threaten me. So I came up with a little thing there. You remember the comedy, yes, Red? Yes. Retired, extremely dangerous? <laughs> I'm not retired. But the E and the D are still working. The E and the D are still active. So I remember one turkey like three years ago, you know, he came at me. That was when Black Lives Matter was in town. And just out of the blue, this guy shows up, takes a swing at me, and whatever. He's 30 years younger, 35, 40% bigger, and God gave me the strength of Samson. I didn't even know how I did it. I had to watch the surveillance video like five times to go, did that happen? I put him in the ground in two seconds, flat head first. And, you know, that was a police takedown that they could show that film at the police college to show you how it's properly done. The guy got up. He had Excedrin headache number Hmm. 5005. Took him weeks to get over it, and uh, so I'm a believer. And after things like that, that's why I'm a believer because the good Lord is there to give us protection, to do His work as it's to be done, and it's for the benefit of His people and His Eden uh, that we live in a. You know, you know, Moses had the tricks; he could turn things in, you know, snakes and scare Pharaoh or something. We just have to do it by talking on the radio, but. Uh, there is a good, there is an evil, and, uh, you know, if i got to go down, well, you know, one day I'm going to meet the Lord anyway, so uh, better that uh, I'm younger as opposed to, you know, vacillating away in a nursing home from some incurable disease or something. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'd probably have a radio set in there and be transmitting on something. Well, no, I, I, I mean, I wasn't <laughs> for a minute suggesting that, you know, you would, be, you would be hurt. I just meant be allowed to do the kind of radio that you do. I mean, I ask myself this, the same question. You know, how much longer, you know, before, uh, you know, the black helicopters start circling? And I, I mean, I'm being facetious, of course, but... <laughs> I'll, I'll send you, you pictures. I'll send you pictures. When I was doing an internet show called Spy Man, my the guy who hosted it, Mike, calls me up and he says, George, there's black helicopters over my store and guys are rappelling onto the roof. And I go, well, where are you? He says, I'm in Georgetown. And I go, okay, I'll make a beeline straight over there. So I got pictures. <laughs> so it was almost like the Army was flying, uh, uh, you know, these helicopters at high speed and tight turns over a shopping mall in Georgetown. I go, like, are you people crazy? Like, if one of those lost control, it would hmm. crash through a supermarket or hit the parking lot or something like that. So they, they do play their games, and, uh, you know, there is no joke in that. You know, I remember, too, like, you know, they put the transport truck across the road for me years ago when I was revealing about the propane fire in Toronto and uh, not saying some nice things about the Republican candidate at the time, McCain. And, uh, you know, well, God saved my life. He stopped time. I crashed, but I crashed in, the, you know, the landing leg of the trailer caught me like a baseball. I lost two, you know, I broke my legs, but, uh, you know, I have my cross hanging from the rearview mirror, and anything inside the Ark of the Cross was completely uninjured. And uh, I got a ton of money out of it to buy a second house and uh, support myself better, but, uh, you know, they play games. I've been shot at twice, 
And, uh, you know, oh, well, the headlight that shot out, the light never <laughs> burned out. I covered it with duct tape because I'm a Canadian. Oh, my. And it stayed like that I until may, I got rid I of the car and gave it to somebody else. I to start my car just for having this conversation. <laughs> uh, just back to Assange for a moment because we're just about uh, out of time here. But I'm wondering if he does get extradited to the United States, even though he's not a United States citizen, I'm wondering could President Trump uh, uh, pardon him because, you know, uh, Assange wrote, this, was, this recently came out, I don't know if it, it may have even come out in the Mueller report, but uh, that has, Assange had written, he said we would be much better off if the GOP won, Trump won over Hillary, because basically he called her a sociopath and said, if she, if she, if she wins, we'll be in another war in no time at all. I agree with him. Uh, you know, my take of what was going on at the time, it has nothing to do, I gave up on the left-right paradigm long time ago, so I'm not in that game. There's the political forces are the evil globalists forming a world government, the people who don't know or don't want it to happen or something like that. But uh, I don't think we'd even be alive here to talk about it. We would have got into a war so fast with Russia. Russia's gone completely balls to the wall a couple of times where they were just going to take us all out, and Putin made it quite plain. I'm going to hit you so hard there isn't going to be a blade of grass alive on the planet Earth. And, uh, you know, so that's not a war you want to get into. It's not going to be a limited exchange. He's going to hit you with everything he's got, so you'll never move again. And uh, I believe that, that that would be coming down. So uh, in that regard, uh, you know, Trump getting elected, if that bought us time or saved our lives, uh, it's worth the price of admission right there. And uh, Assange is a good way responsible for that. And uh, the evil that uh, is on her side, she, you know, all her guards just say, like, she's just, you know, flipping evil. You know, she swears at you, curses you. She's the most vindictive person you could ever want to meet and such like that. And then, you know, then they have the nerve to say, well, okay, maybe you, sh you, you wouldn't want your daughter to stay up late with President Trump when he was a younger man or something like that. But uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, he's a 1 and she's a 12. So why There's nothing do you to talk suppose about. then is... I mean, Trump had earlier voiced support. You know, he thought Assange was great. Why is he not now standing up for him? Or is he playing his cards close to his vest? Do you think he will maybe pardon him? I would hope so, but I'm dubious of that. What I think has happened in some of the uh, bendings of the president uh, of late is somebody's got the goods on him, and they may be blackmailing him on a few issues to keep him under control and, uh, you know, have him sing the global tune a little bit uh you know they have backed off a little bit on them uh in congress and uh they're not as rabid as they used to be and that's uh you know not a good sign if they do but that's what intelligence agencies do primarily is to try to get the goods on the leader and j edgar hoover was a master and i doubt uh, very much that any other major intelligence agencies don't have a dossier on him that would uh, make your grandmother blush so uh, is, is that keeping him in line for this to, to stay back on a few issues? I just look at it. What's more important? Uh, you know, somebody raises some dirt about me or I save my country and the world from either Armageddon or from a complete and total collapse to evil. There's just no comparison. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest heroes, too, in my opinion, is his wife for all the crap they've thrown at him, uh, you know, about his dalliance with the prostitute and such like that is... Uh, 
you know, if, if there's anyone who, you know, is probably one of the greatest first ladies that's ever been to have class and dignity. I agree. And I agree. Like and that, if she were a Democrat, be she'd be plastered on every magazine, every single issue. Not once, as far as I know, has she been featured on a magazine cover as the first lady. Well, George, listen, always a no, pleasure. You no, no, always no, no. bring... Uh, tremendous information to the program and uh, like I said you are a treasure I mean that and I, I thank you so much and I wish you and yours uh, a very blessed Easter and to you too Richard God bless you your family and to all the listeners because you're what make it happen thanks so much George the man with x-ray eyes Dr. Douglas James Cottrell is next to discuss the Aero Air Flight disaster from December 1985 you're listening to The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. 